the Everyman Podcast. Everyman Podcast. Yeah. Daryl Campbell Jr. What's happening, brother? Another day, every way, clipping, dripping, clean and banging. Swole. And in that order. Swole and in up that order. from the flow up. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's Wednesday, so you know that can only mean one thing. The summer of the everyman continues, and um, this is like that we've been working towards this all summer. It's so exciting. It's finally here, isn't it, brother? Oh, yeah, man. You know, it's just, what, what do I always say, man? It's just a tip. Man. Just the tip. And the tip. let me tell you something, guys. The tip today is coming to you from John Petrucci. JP. And um, if I could go back in time and tell 15-year-old brother Jay that, uh, you know, not only would I be having these kind of conversations with these people that I look up to so dearly, but they, they'd, they'd be my friends and that they yeah. would be excited to talk to us. Yeah. I would say, um, future brother Jay, you're full of shit, but here we are. And it's another, we're we are just, it's incredible. We've got John Petrucci from Dream Theater on the Everyman podcast today. Mm-hmm. And um, this one's a doozy. We're talking about uh, Terminal Velocity, his new solo album that drops August 28th. Uh, the, the, the physical edition is going to be out in October, but, but you're going to be able to get your hands on this real soon. And, um, yeah. you know, just an awesome, awesome conversation, man. Dude, uh, like, we do these things and... We talk about the cosmic canoe, and I, I, I don't, I don't think people really understand how much damn fun we're having in the cosmic canoe with this man. How much fun we have had thus far, and with John Petrucci, it's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know, this is so a guy, this is a gentleman that that you know, he could do any interview he wants. You know any any guitar world any whatever, and for him to for for him to give us his time, uh, you know, f- for us and for our audience is is really special. So obviously, just want to thank John for for being generous with his time oh. and uh, generous with his information. And, and we we had a nice nice long conversation about everything from finding that guitar tone that you're looking for to how he got swolled up and why and just you know what it's been like kind of getting back and playing with Mike Portnoy and, and, you know, everything that, that has to do with that. So, um, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and this is the first time you've ever checked out the Everyman podcast, welcome to the Cosmic Canoe. Grab a paddle, hop yep. in the back. Got some extra oars. We got plenty of oars. Put your life vest on, hop in the Cosmic Canoe with us and, yep. and strap in for a wild ride. Um, and, and if you are visiting us for the first time, take a minute, uh, Subscribe, leave us a like, leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on our YouTube channel. If you want to watch this awesome interview, you can watch it there on our YouTube page, The Everyman Podcast. Not mm-hmm. only that, we've had John Petrucci was the first ever episode of The Everyman Podcast. First. And in the 80 some odd episodes we've had since, we've had it Mike Mangini on several times, drummer for Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. James Labrie, vocalist of Dream Theater, had an awesome conversation with him. Zach Rossi, shout out to the great Zach Rossi, he's a production Zach. assistant uh, in, in, for Dream Theater, and he knows you know we've got a lot of a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, between the buried and me, Dusty Waring, Blake Richardson, Tommy Rogers, Andy McKee, guitarist extraordinaire. If you're into this conversation that you're about to hear today, 
I promise you there is more for you in the archives, and I encourage you to take a second and uh, look through it and, and, and see what you can find. You might, you might find mm-hmm. some interesting stuff. So, you know, with that being said, my bro, uh, let's not waste any more time here. Let's just, let's just jump right into our interview jump with John in Petrucci. There. Jump in there. Let's jump in it. get it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today on the Everyman Podcast with a, a, a guest who needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, John Petrucci, guitar legend from Dream Theater. He was, he was our first guest on the episode number one of the Everyman Podcast. Oh, yeah. Now he's here again so much time later. Ladies and gentlemen, John Petrucci, how are you, brother? Hey, wait, I'm doing this all wrong. It's supposed to be this. Yeah, there we yeah, go. So that's that's, right, what, right that's what the people man. are looking for. They want to see, they want to see the beard. They want the chin man. They want the chin man. Give it to them. It was the whole interview. Yeah, the whole interview. Lips and beard. Lips and beard. That that's big in some parts Uh, of the in some parts of the world. What's going on, man? Well, thanks for having me back. This is awesome. Congrats on uh, your guys' success. Thank you. Blowing up. Thank you. Yeah, we're actually. You know, this is kind of an honor for you. You're actually on the 120th most popular, most downloaded podcast in Luxembourg right now. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. cool. It's pretty cool. We we love Luxembourg. Shout out to Luxembourg. there many times played played in luxembourg many times well that, that i'll tell you what there's probably some dream theater fans listening to all these there episodes we have with you so last time uh you were on the show this was way back in the in the pre pre new normal era mm-hmm. and uh we were discussing yeah. distance over time had just uh was just about to come out and one of the things that i was talking to you about on that was hey man when are we gonna get another solo album and you know we talked about it and then I, I had seen you sometimes, you know, at shows afterwards. And then, you know, COVID hits, everybody gets off the road. Next thing I know, I see a little post on social media. John Petrucci's got a new solo album out. So Terminal Velocity is coming out August 28th. Really snuck up on everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. Ninja style. Love it. Yeah, I could explain that, but you're right. Total <laughs> yeah. Ninja style. It was like, it, that's it, on purpose. Too. It was like, hey, yeah, you know, I might that might be a cool idea. People ask me all the time to like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And then it's like, oh, by the way, it's coming out in two weeks. So, right. Um, you know, obviously there's so much to talk about with it. And we're going to get into all that. But what was kind of your reason for doing this was it because you had you had time off you had nothing better to do like what made you want to do this right now right well you you know you mentioned uh that you asked me about it you're probably like the millionth person that asked me when am i doing another solo (laughs) you know so it's like i knew it's been on my mind for years i mean the first one's 15 years ago you know um I did that one uh, because I had I needed material to be able to play on the G3 tour the first time Joe asked me back in 2001, and I wrote some songs for it, and then that turned into Suspended Animation. And, uh, you know, since then, just being very busy with Dream Theater and not really, like, focusing so much on a solo career as a guitar player. It was kind of always more like a band guy. I didn't, it just wasn't on like the front burner for me, but, uh, as years have gone by, like, and I've done more G3 tours and camps and stuff. I'm like, I keep playing the same damn songs over and over. (laughs) (laughs) And people keep asking me like, when am I going to do another solo album? So there must be a, a reason here to do one. So it's been on my mind. Um, before the pandemic hit, I actually had planned on doing this in March because, uh, 
Dream Theater had been on tour, but we had like a, a few chunks of time that we don't normally have um, this year. We had a few months before an Asian run and a few months after that. So I'm like, if I don't do it this year, it's not going to happen. And then boom, pandemic hits. And yeah. I find mys myself with more time than, uh, than needed, but it, it enabled me to kind of just get it all done, not do it piecemeal, yeah. focus on it. You know, it probably took about three months to complete. And, um, and it's actually been good for me in that sense. I also released it on my own label, Sound My Music, as I did the first one. Although this time it, it has a worldwide distribution through the orchard. So that is time intensive as well for me, running my own label and coordinating everything from the pressing plant to marketing. So I'm wearing that hat as well. Um, in fact, I have to, I don't know if they can hear me, but at the studio, they made me a special plaque that I, I turn around. <laughs> Maddie, can you grab that plaque? I want to show these guys, <laughs> depending on what I'm doing. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so the timing, you know, as, as crazy as this has been and horrible for so many people yeah. and so many industries and for the entertainment industry, it did, you know, the one thing is it, it allowed me to be able to do this and you're absolutely right on the ninja style. I, it's yeah. purposeful. I mean, I could have the albums coming out um, August 28th digitally and streaming and then the LP and vinyl October 30th. Um, I could have waited until October to just do everything at once. But I'm like, man, you know, the whole reason I want to do this is to share music. And I just right. want to get it out there and make people happy, hopefully. So it's not about, you know, me trying to break all these records. And I mean, that, you know, business wise, it's always smart and fun to, to try to make something as successful as it can be. But to me, it was always more about sharing the music and getting it out. I'm like, let me just get it out. I'll yeah. get it out as soon as I can. Um, and so that's what I did. So yeah, three weeks, less than three weeks to be out. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I was getting ready for this interview and I, yeah. I had remembered for some reason I, I was like, it comes out in October. And mm -hmm. then I just was like, let me just type in release date real quick. And I was like, Oh yeah. no, the 28th. Okay. Then mm -hmm. like, this yeah, is great. And exactly. I think, I think people's attention spans now are so limited that it almost benefits you to like, because I know like if, if I know like Microsoft flight simulator comes out next week and like, I had nice. to put that in the back of my mind. Cause I was like, <laughs> if I'm thinking about, digital planes for a whole year it's gonna be a long year totally. you know and then it, yeah. it just pops right up into your into your uh into your day there that's that's yeah. uh that's the way to do I, it I, I think it's a good you know for for this particular situation it made sense and i also did the same so suspended animation that came out in 2005 um my wife uh and i made a record label called sound my music as i mentioned and um we sold that out of our garage literally and it was never available digitally or streaming or anything. So that's another ninja thing about a week before. Yeah. I just made that no announcement, just here it is digitally and streaming. And everybody was excited about that. So that's kind of hitting a whole new group of people, younger uh, players and fans that never were able to get the CD. Now, of course they're like, well, is it going to come out on CD? This is what I mean. You can't make everybody happy. <laughs> You're like, I thought you weren't buying story. CDs. I have to show you my sign. Oh yeah, let's see this bad boy. Yeah, let's get it. Let's okay. get it. Now I didn't come up with the wording, so I'm not. I don't. I don't have a big ego, but this is what Jimmy T and Maddie. <laughs> so that's, side, so, it, that's side one. So for side our one. for our for our listeners listening only to the podcast, John just held up a a desk placard that says uh, yeah. "Guitarist Extraordinaire" on the front. Right, okay. Oh yeah, so oh, that, yeah. So that's, that's beautiful. So I love then, the coloring. 
So then when I do my business, CEO Tone Mission Incorporated. Nice. Exactly. So Tone Mission nice. is my corporation that I do all my business through. That's fucking and, sweet. I love yeah. it. So I it love depends. it. So, so what am I doing right now? I, I don't know. A little You're bo- bit of both. You do a little bit of both. Yeah. You're going to have to keep flipping that around. Um, CEO mode now. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I'll tell you, man. Um, you know, you mentioned Soundmind Records. And yeah. one of the things I think is interesting about this whole COVID situation is there's kind of like two camps right now of what I see with kind of my, my friends that are in the business mm-hmm. is that you're either you either ha- were planning on having this time being off because of your touring schedule sure. or you just had everything canceled. Right. And what I'm finding, whether it's whatever situation, everybody's kind of responding the same way and that they're it takes a few minutes to like let the dust settle and see, okay, what's what do we have left? And then what can we do? And I know so many people that are working on new music and stuff that's been announced, stuff that hasn't been announced, but you know, you know, starting around December to next, this time next year, I think there's going to be a lot of art coming out. That's, that's oh, because, as a result of this, you know, and yeah. um, with sound mind, it's interesting because like everyone is having to kind of do it DIY, even, right. even the mighty dream theater and, and, you know, John Petrucci guitarist extraordinaire, like you're finding yourself like, okay, wait a minute, I got to get distribution for myself. I got to do this. I got to do that. So like, there's a lot now that gap between like how you're operating your business and how the Everyman podcast, for example, does our business. Right. We're all kind of doing the same thing now, you know? Sure. And it's, it's almost like it's, I don't want to say it's leveled the playing field, but everybody has to adapt whether you're, oh, you're right, whether you're yeah. playing a, like guns and roses and your stadium tour was canceled or like, you know, you're playing Jimmy's seafood. It doesn't matter. Right. You're absolutely right. That's the thing about the situation. Everybody is in the same boat. Everybody's in the same situation. doesn't matter the size of your band or your following or your audience. Um, this affected the world, you know? Yeah. So talking about our own industry, the entertainment industry, you're right, from arena level to club level. And, you know, it's interesting how people um, sort of handle this. You know, I saw a lot of people go into the mode of, really active engagement yeah. with fans, right? A lot of people went like with all the different services that are Twitch, out there. Yep. Yeah. And they and people that never did that stuff before were all of a sudden right. really taking advantage of that. Um and, you know, doing a lot of um of streaming things and live events and stuff like that. And I, I, I've seen a lot of people do that. For me personally, it's not so much my personality or something like mm-hmm. I, I just kind of went into like creative mode. I'm just going to like yeah. go into the studio. That's what I do. And I'm going to make music, you know? Um, and, and that made the most sense for me. It was also the most cathartic for me and the most genuine way to approach this. I think like if seeing me on Twitch and trying to do all this stuff, just, I don't know. It just wouldn't, it's not, it's not your style. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my style. And then, you know, the other thing is as far as this release and the DYI, it was definitely a choice because, you know, it, it, it's a lot of work to do something that way, but mm-hmm. it's also very empowering and you learn a lot. And even as 53 year old, you know, who's been doing this forever, you know, I'm learning an immense yeah. amount and I didn't have to do it that way. I mean, there were record deal offers and stuff but you know you start to kind of realize like what do i want to do with this 
you know, right, what's my like goal this? with this? Yeah, in, in, in... and to me, like I said, it was kind of like I want to share the music and I want to have control. So the best way for me to do that is to do it myself. And how, you know, there are different levels of doing that. Um, you know, doing it in the way that I'm doing it through worldwide distribution is, I mean, it's kind of like, um, it, it's, it's a little bit more involved, you know, than just kind of putting it out yourself. Um, right. You know, but it, it does give me a lot of empowerment and control. And again, my solo career, as, as great as it's been, and I'm very grateful for the recognition, is, has not been my main focus as an artist. It's been Dream Theater, you know. Yeah, you've and, kind of been the shredder in the band. And there's, right, all, there's right, been all exactly. these guys that are like touring as shredders yeah and then there's this weird thing that's happened and i've talked about this with with a number of our guests um over the last like five years instrumental guitar music is like not only popular but cool right and it's like (laughs) i know it's like i'm sorry i was getting made fun of for listening to this in middle school now you know like a band like polyphia or chan or Pliny. like i mean i went to uh it was a between the barrier to me show with Chan and uh, I forget who the other band was, but I'm looking around at the crowd and I'm like, this is not a normal between the buried and me audience. Where's all the dudes, you know? (laughs) And then it's like, Oh yeah. Like I hear my friends, you know, Oh, I know who Chan, like young ladies, you know, and stuff, just a whole new audience. And it's like this whole new like party vibe. And one of the things I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, the last time you did a solo album, it was like, this other genre of music almost where right. now it's like, what do you mean? John Petrucci doesn't have a solo album. Like, yeah, it's right. almost like you, you know, like you've got guys like Tosin Abasi out there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's so many, you can't even name them all, but do you feel like you kind of needed to kind of dip your toe into that pool to kind of be like, Hey, remember, remember me, <laughs> you know, remember me. I've been here. Um, well, you're right about, you know, noticing that about the, uh, the scene and, and, you know, a big component of that too is social media and and how a lot of people through Instagram and stuff and YouTube have been able to have so much exposure and recognition that wasn't there back in 2005. Um, and so those communities grew incredibly. Um, I I don't, you know, I would say, no, I didn't feel a need to like, Hey, (laughs) let me join the party. Uh, You know, for me, it's just like, um, I, I just love playing guitar. It's fun. And, you know, making music is like, I could live in the studio. It's just, I love doing it. Yeah. It's um, exciting. There's the, yeah. there's like this, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like doing something live, like a live stream or live performance. Like there's this right. sense of danger that that's like, you know what I mean? That's like kind of in yeah. the back of your head. Like, and I guess obviously the more time and money you have to do it it's not so nervous i think about my dad telling me like yeah we spent two thousand dollars on tape back in 1970 and like we only had like x amount of tape and it was like you either got it done or you didn't and there was like that excitement to it absolutely yeah i mean things have changed immensely since then but yeah Yeah. and and i remember in many dream theater records were done on tape and it was a whole different situation um you know i i regarding the question you asked before i definitely um, in doing this and releasing this, this way, the solo album, I definitely had to do a bit of a little bit of catch up as far as like, like I said, I never really 
promoted my solo career that much. So it's funny, like my video that's on YouTube for the first single. It's like, I didn't have a YouTube channel. Like, you know, a month I, ago. I noticed said, that. I noticed you know, that. Somebody said, made a comment. I don't know. I read something that's like, why does John only have so-and-so, you know, many subscribers? I, I'm just I, like, to myself, I <laughs> never had a, like all these things that should have been in place. You know, I just, I don't know, a few, few weeks ago, just opened a merch store, you know, for the first time. Last it night was I was funny. I was showing my yeah. fiance that the terminal velocity video and I'm like yeah I said that I was like 21,000 subscribers this can't be <laughs> like this must be a fan page or something and I'm like right. nope that's I it I never had one <laughs> I crazy. never had one so it's you know it's funny um, so again learning curve and it's exciting to to tackle something like that and you know to an extent like I said I I don't think I would be comfortable doing some some of the the more interactive stuff that a lot of people are doing necessarily, but, um, you know, there's certain things that you need to have in place. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, a little bit of catch up work, but it's all fun. Before we get back to our interview here with John Petrucci on the Everyman podcast, I wanted to take an opportunity and let everybody know if this is the first time you're checking out the Everyman podcast, welcome to the cosmic canoe. DC and I are so happy to have you here joining us on this journey, and, and I want to take a moment to tell you about some of the other great podcast interviews we have in the archives here. Um, episode number 76, Andy McKee, great Dream Theater fan, great guitarist. Number 40 in the archives, James Labrie, frontman, uh, vocalist extraordinaire of Dream Theater, uh, one, of our, one of our best interviews. We have three episodes with Mike Mangini. We've got Mark Holcomb from Periphery, Matt Halpern from Periphery. Tommy Rogers from Between the Barry to Me. Number 68, drumming legend Kenny Arnoff. If you're here for Dream Theater, if you're here for music, if you're just here for a good time, take a second, check out the archives, take a moment to like and subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us what you like the most, and we are happy to have you here. Now let's get back to our interview with John Petrucci. Yeah, and you know, I I look at somebody like Jason Richardson who's who's obviously unbelievably gifted um but i watch him on twitch Mm -hmm. and he's able to like write live in front of people and he's comfortable with that and i know for me like and we've talked we just had this conversation with tommy rogers from between the bear to me where it's like i usually the first draft is pretty shit for me (laughs) so like i don't necessarily (laughs) i don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing that but there's guys like jason richardson or or the guys from tesseract who will just get on there and write live in real time and it's like and it's great it's it's really cool so there's like a little bit of of i mean it's a change you know it's not always not everybody's gonna be like that but it's really uh it's wild times we're living in man it is and you know it depends on the person obviously some people are more comfortable with that but i think it also has to do with how a particular person grew up and the things that are that are more normal to them you yeah. know, um, a lot of younger players are kind of living their, um, the, you know, they're growing like online, they're yeah. growing right in front of people. And so posting things, you know, that are just rough or on the spot or whatever, spontaneous, it, it's just like they've been doing that. That's how they, right. they don't know, any, it, you know, they don't know right. any different. And people that, you know, maybe are, are used to or not used to that and have kind of you know, more old school and stuff. It's like, you, you, you don't want people to see that, you know? Right. Um, so depends on how you grew up and it's probably just more of a sign of like the younger generation and having like 
like everything that you're doing kind of be out there yeah. at all times and being comfortable with that. Um, yeah. It's different. Yeah. I mean, but it, ultimately I think it's going to make, it's going to change how fans expect music, you know, to, to be, I mean, you think about like yeah. Def Leppard and mm-hmm. how they were like, you know what, we're going to write the perfect album. And yeah. they were like the first guys to do that, to, to mm-hmm. like spend whatever it was a four years on, on that album. And, like making everything completely mathematically perfect to right. whereas now it's like, we're kind of going back to more of like a, well, let's, let's just rip it and see what happens. It's, it's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it is cool. You know, th- I think the only danger, it's something that I see that, that uh, young musicians need to watch out for a little bit is that there, it definitely is like a, a uniqueness that comes um, doing things a certain way as opposed to doing things the way everybody else is doing it. Right. Right. And I find a lot of times if I, you know, scroll through whatever, some of the social media and I see some, some guys like one after the next, and I can't differentiate the, the sound of the guitar or the style, the production, it kind of all just blends. That's probably not a good thing, you know, cause it's the people that sort of stand out that are unique. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, that catch everybody's attention. Well, and you know, I'm just a, I'm just a dumb old drummer here, but I see a lot of that with, you know, once the axe effects started to get, you know, it went from being like this thing that only a few people had to like, everybody has some sort of guitar modeling processor Mm -hmm. now, either physical, like a hardware unit or like something in their, in their computer and, um, in their DAW and, you know, that, that, the rise of the bedroom guitarist kind of thing that's happened and uh, it's spilled out in a lot of really cool, creative ways. Like you look at Periphery, for example, how they've spun that off into to like a whole. They're almost like their own Marvel universe now. With yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's it's really <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you know, so I think it's like ooh. And I remember being a kid and being like, oh, I like that sound. And then I used to have to go figure out, okay, I got to get these pedals and do this and get these cymbals and heads. Yeah. Now it's like I can just get use get good drums and sound exactly like Matt Halpern. And I don't yeah. have to, I don't have to like, you know, so there, I see the desire of that, but you're, there's like that. I, I joke with my, my guitar players all the time. Like you guys are, you, do you, do you not know the tone you're searching for? Because you're constantly looking for new gear and they're like, you don't understand. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an evolving journey. I'm like, no, I get it. But like, I feel like you just don't know what you want. That's the only yeah. reason, you know, but yeah. uh, you know, you know what I mean? I do. And you bring up a really good point. First of all, the XFX and is an awesome piece of gear. And it definitely revolutionized um, the way people are able to do things, not only at home, but on the road as well. Um, and then, of, co- of course, the, like you mentioned, it's kind of spawned all these uh, plugins and different ways of doing things. But you totally bring up a really good point is that um, if a band or a guitar player has a certain sound that is using that technology, um, you can get it just by downloading their set, like, yeah, you the hunt I mean? is there over. It is okay, right? And and so I guess the result is that a lot of guys are sounding the same because they hear something they like, um, and they're just trying to get that sound. Uh, I mean, they're able to get that sound because there it is. Like, download this, plug it in. The same way that when I want to watch Seinfeld, I just go to Hulu. You know, like <laughs> yeah, you yeah, just yeah. get it. It's what do you right. mean? There's no DVDs anymore. There's none of that. Right. Okay. So. I'm sorry. Were you can I, I ask a question, uh, JP? Just just because I I think this is pretty fascinating. I talked to you know uh, 
players. I talk to, to, to athletes and, you know, they, they always talk about the importance of finding their own voice. Sure. Is that similar, you know, in, in like with music, with you and, and going to your creative bunker instead of, you know, kind of going along with this new ways of, of doing things to where you could sound exactly the same. Like how, yeah. how, how do you find your own tone? I guess that would be the. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a great how, question. How, how do you. I mean, it, it's been something that's, that's been going on for a while with me. Um, but I, I'm personally a fan of more organic ways of doing that. So um, I've been fortunate enough over the years to have developed signature gear with the gear companies that I use and love and grew up with, you know, like I have a Mesa boogie amp that has my name on it. I've been playing boogie since I was like 17, you know, it's like surreal. <laughs> um, so, you know, part of that for me and this, I don't want this to sound like snobby or anything, but it's like, I get to use my own gear that I helped develop. So that's yeah. part of like my, my tone mission is developing this, this sound and having actually my own gear that, that I helped to, to um, create um, to be able to do that. But my approach even with that gear, even with my music man guitars and boogie and everything, is that it's definitely organic. I mean, I'm, I've said this many times. Um, I plug the guitar right into the amp and we mic it up. You know, it's all old school as far as that's concerned. And I think the result, as good and, and brilliant and um, innovative as all the other technology is that's out there, um, by doing it the way I'm talking about, you get this dynamic sort of sound that's just, I don't know, can't be replicated. It can almost be replicated. It's close, but it, it can't, <laughs> you know, as far along. as I'm concerned. You know, and, and some of that's also a taste thing. Some of that's like what you grew up with, yeah. um, and that's what I grew up with. And so that's what I search for and go for. So you'll hear on my new record, um, you're going to hear that kind of organic natural sound i mean to me it's like the tone you're talking about you know it's like my beard like look th at that this like i want my tone to be like <laughs> your your face is right up to the speaker yeah, yeah, I love it. you know what i mean yeah That's you should what get I'm a, looking for maybe you could get a maybe you can get a room mic in your beard yeah. and then oh, we could kind of hear oh, we could kind of hear the tone reverb off your, just, your just beard. Just bristles just over the, just all over the thing. Oh, That'd wow. Be... Give like a nice dry, <laughs> a nice dryness to it. You know what I mean? It'd be oh, really yeah. scary if there, you heard voices in there. <laughs> hey, you, you might. What was that? <laughs> all, all, all the kids are searching for JP's like, you know, bristle tone. Like, oh, yeah. right, right, oh right. God, I gotta we, get it. We need it. Well, you know, the, <laughs> the funny thing, John, is, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to turn this into the old, the old uh, everyman tug fest here, but, you know, when I, and this is partially because I'm just such a dream theater person, but like I'll listen to some guitar player, mm -hmm. like any of the newer guitar player, and I'll, and I'll hear something. I'm like, man, this kid must have listened to as much dream theater as I did growing up. <laughs> and then I'll like type it in. I'm like looking up something about LaProsse, and I'm like, oh, yep, sure enough, they're all huge right. dream theater fans. And it's like you've become kind of like a create a character type. And I mean, what I mean that by that is like, you know, is it is it like a is is it like a brawler? Is it a wrestler? Is it a kickboxer? Right. It's like it's a John Petrucci <laughs> class guitar player, right. and like right. you can look at and I think there's this that's the same thing effect that you know Eddie Van Halen had 
you know, on, on young people in the eighties, a lot of, a lot of my friends that are older that they tell me like what it was like hearing that all of a sudden being like, holy shit, this is what I have to, this is the new standard. And I think you have become kind of like a, you've transcended. We talked about this last time. Like there's country guys that play your guitar. There's metal guys that play your guitar. Um, and you've become like a, an inspiration type that, that so many people, I can, I can hear your influence right. on them. You know, I think that's just, I think that's something that's kind of special about music that, you know, it's different. Like when you read a, you know, when you're, you're reading a novel, you don't go, mm, this reminds me of Tolkien. He must, you know, <laughs> like there, there, there doesn't, there's yeah. not like a direct correlation. Maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. That's really nice of you. I mean, somebody like Eddie Van Halen was so innovative. Um, and when he came out, you were just like, what the hell yeah. is, is, is that, you know? Um, I think, you know, for myself, I've, I've said this many times and, and um, you, you know, when, developing gear or, or playing or talking about music or teaching, I kind of come from it from a, a place where I, I don't know. It's like, I, I feel like the things that I go for or um, uh, desire in instruments or in sound are in common with a lot of other people. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, well, why didn't I think of that? You know, like, yeah, that just makes sense. So, there's sort of just like typical things that that I do and think about that other people just say, yeah, that makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, I'll do this it like should, that, yeah. Right, this should have been that way. <laughs> but like from my perspective, I've talked about this before, um, you know, it's like I, I, it's not coming from a place that's so overthought or, you You're know, just being you. Yeah, just like doing doing my thing, and and it turns out that it's me. I don't know. Maybe it's just like so right down the center where people are like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Right. <laughs> you know? Well, that's. I like mean, the that's... car steering wheel should be this size. <laughs> yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It's kind of like that, and um, even even with the way that I approach guitar playing and theory and stuff like that, it's not. You know, I was talking to my wife about this. It's like I learned before I went to Berkeley. I learned the Berkeley scales out of the book and uh, the William Levitt book and I'm like okay I know the scales this makes sense everything just kind of comes from that yep and and that's like hasn't changed and all the stuff that I do um as a guitar player stemmed from that first realization that oh these are scales everything is in there you know chords <laughs> arpeggios modes it's all there just like different you gotta get the book it's like taco bell like it's all the ingredients and just you change up yeah they're know, all the same <laughs> yeah. it's like what can i what else can i make with this uh grade z beef and, yeah. and cheese yeah so, so you know it's i mean that's just my approach it's kind of i I've see things i think in in a way that's kind of clear that gets to the point like oh okay that's how it makes sense to me and unfortunately um other people relate to that and say yeah i I see that too, and that seems to be what's happened. So, um, yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, and and one last thing on that, you know, you mentioned Berkeley, and yeah. when I was getting ready to make a decision for college, and I'm like, you know, Mr. Dream Theater, and I'm like, well, I got to go to Berkeley. There's no sure. fucking, there's no choice. That's yeah, where yeah. I got to go. That's where that's where it happens. And it's like you've been 
you, like you've been like the subject of a of of memes at different periods in time, and it like started with like the you know well I'm playing at forty eight thousand revolutions right, per right, minute, right. and then it's yeah. and now the new meme related to John Petrucci is like there's this one going around where it's just like oh yeah I learned that at Berkeley like not that necessarily you act like that, but it's like the people that you've inspired, like people like me. Right. We all got this like pretentious and I'm speaking for me here. We we all got pretentious and we're like, Oh, you don't listen to Dream Theater. Oh, that's you, fine. You don't go to yeah. Berkeley. Like th- right. there's like this whole thing and I've never seen like a college be be a part of uh like a like again, like an archetype person. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's very it's very fascinating. And there's not other like I can't think of any other like John Mayer went to Berkeley, but nobody's up his ass about you know, about Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like th- some yeah. of the you look at the people that were there and you're like, Well, how come it's okay for them? But like when Dream Theater does it, they're pretentious or I'm pretentious because I went because Dream Theater. Like <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, if I, I said know. I got here because of John Mayer, everybody would be like, wow, he must be a soulful guy. Right, right. I don't know. I, th- that's like one of those weird phenomenons. I'm not sure why that happens with certain people. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, you know, speaking of Berkeley, we actually, uh, something I'm really excited about and, and proud of is that we started a Berkeley, a Dream Theater scholarship, which is the first of its kind, like a band scholarship Dude, with the college. That's really yeah, cool. It's an that's endowment awesome. to, uh, for people that want to go and, you know, maybe just need some financial help. Um, and it's for the instrumentation that's in our band. So guitar, bass, vocal, drums, keyboards. And so that's cool, you know, 35 years later to be able to do something like that with a school. Um, but yeah, you used to have to pay to go there. Now you're paying them for other people to go there. That's, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Right. But the, you know, I have to like the, the stuff that you're talking about that kind of has contributed to whatever my persona is, you know, even though I'm just the same guy, right. Um, I can't even can, I can't uh, give myself credit for it because it's like stuff out there that people do you know, with these different memes and stuff. And like you said, the voiceover thing. And I just find it just really hysterical and entertaining. There's some good ones. You know, it's so, it's so funny. And, uh, um, but even like little things like you hiking, your like having your guitar up like a class, you know, like that became, it's like, he must like dream theater, you know, like, (laughs) like, that's like, you could, you could tell a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. You're a whole, you're a whole personality type. So, um, all right. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room here. I'm not talking about myself. Um, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to give uh, all the <laughs> all the. Yeah, don't laugh too hard at that, John. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm one of the. I'm one of the rare people that managed to, to lose weight during the, the coronavirus. I was gonna say you're looking good, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. We're gonna we're gonna talk about you. Oh, we're gonna yeah. talk about your guns like, here in a second. Like John Cena right now, John. I'm telling yeah. you, it's yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh man, that's I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take that and replay that. Uh, in my sleep tonight. So I'm like, I didn't work out this morning. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no. you better catch up, brother. Better catch up. Um, so, obviously, I wanted to see how long the Dream Theater fans would listen to this podcast would be like, is he going to, is he not going to talk about, is he going to not bring it up? Right. So, you know, big news. Yeah. And I'm going to just go ahead and, and preface this with, you've already made it clear, Mike Portnoy is, is not coming back to Dream Theater. He's, working with you on the solo stuff and you get to live right. in the best of both worlds where you have these two yeah. phenomenal drummers. Now, obviously, you know, we're friends with Mike Mangini. We love Mike. We talk to him all the time. Absolutely. He's, he's been on the show. He's, I truly love that man. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. it must be incredible to know that like, Hey, I can kind of like have my cake and eat it too here. So Mike Portnoy is 
on terminal velocity yeah. doing the drums. Now, if I recall correct, the last piece of music that you guys put out together was actually not a not a regular Dream Theater, but it was Raw Dog, the uh, God oh, of War I, soundtrack, right? That was like the last one. I don't I don't even know. Is that the is that it, accurate? I, well, according to me, it's accurate because okay, I I, okay. I, I, I went back and I looked and I'm like, well, this came out after the, I'm like, so this, yeah, this, oh, that, that was uh, right after, you know, Black Clouds and Silver Linings and that, that right. summer when that album or that game came out. And right. I always liked, first of all, Raw Dog is my favorite Dream Theater title. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I always, I always loved Perfect. that. I always loved that song. Um, and uh, I was listening to it today, driving around and now you know Portnoy's back, and I'm listening to, to to the to the single, and it's like I'm hearing all of the things that in, inspired a, a 15 year old Justin Vigil. Oh, that's cool. You know, and like hearing yeah. it now, and you know, what's I mean, what's that like? How, so, so tell our audience, like, what's what's going on there? How did this kind of happen, sure. and how do you feel about it? Yeah. So, so you know, I just preference prefacing. What's the word? Preference, preface, preface. I like preferencing. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm preferencing. Yeah, I'm going to use that today. Yeah, yeah. No, but you said something really important, and and I always wanted to. I thought this was important from the get go, and wanted to make it clear. Like this is about my solo album, and Mike Portnoy playing on it is my friend playing on my solo album. Like, you know, it's not anything more than that that I want anybody to read into because that would be totally just not cool, unfair to Mike Mangini. He's the drummer in Dream Theater. It's been over 10 years. Right. He's um, the guy for Dream Theater. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything's happening. It's just, you know, for me, I just felt like, why can't I have the ability to just do that, you know? Um, that's sort of unfair to me uh, to not be able to have somebody who I, you know, I met when I was 18 was in a band with for 25 years, right. <laughs> like, you know, just like, Hey, can you play drums on my album and like, have it be a fun experience. So that's something I just wanted to make clear from the beginning. And you know what I have to say um, from the reaction that I've seen from fans and comments and stuff like that, it's just been all positive. And I love yeah. that, you know, it's more about, that people are so happy, like you said, to, you know, hear something with the two of us playing on it. It might be a nostalgic thing. It might just be the, like the sound of it, but it didn't turn into this whole ugly controversial topic. And you never just, know, you no, never know I, when that's, yeah. you never know, but it's kind of just stayed on, wow, this, this is really cool news. This is making me happy. Don't they sound great together? Period. And it's like, I love that. Yeah. So thank you everybody for, for, for that. Cause I have a lot of respect for that. Um, all the other nonsense, I just have no time for it. It's just, you know, why go there? Well, if I may, you know, yeah. I, 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 cause I understand, I understand both sides of the coin. One sure. as a, as a hardcore dream theater fan. And then yeah. as a guy who's been lucky enough to get to know you guys, consider you guys friends, uh, you know, sure. to a certain level and, and see kind of how things work, you know? Yeah. And, there's that nostalgia piece mm-hmm. where, like, one, like I said, it made me f- remember being a 15-year-old driving to Sam Ash to get the Mike Portnoy DVD. You know, <laughs> like, that's what it made me feel like. I love that. That's awesome. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you know what? I also hear this, and I'm thinking, man, 
how would Mangini play this? You know, because now right. it's like, I've got this taste for, for sure. I got a taste for Mangini, you know, like, so yeah. there's, and I, and I get, and even, you know, we got tagged in a few comments on, on a Mike Portnoy post, like three different mm-hmm. people were like, Hey, when's Mike Portnoy coming on the Everyman podcast? And I was like, Whoa, yeah. like that, that, so thing when things like that, that blows my mind that yeah. we're acting, you know, but nobody was like, no, I didn't get any comments that were like, oh, what are they, is there going to be a feud now? It's like, right, like right. I, everybody was like, oh, wow, this is cool. I'd love to see exactly. what they have to say there, you know? And exactly. And like I said, it's like the elephant in the room. Obviously, obviously people have passion and, and fond memories of that time. Sure. But it doesn't mean you can't do both. And I think right. like, I think it's important because some, the, some, one sentence will get taken out of this interview and then it'll be on blabbermouth or wherever. And they'll be right, like, is right. there room? And it's like, no, there's, that's not happening. You're just wildly speculating. It's yeah. a solo album. Um, now I know I, I heard you saying you, you didn't really get to write it with him. So you, you did the, you did the programming and then you sent him the programming and then he learned it. Did you guys track together? Yeah. So let me explain how, how I made this record. Um, and, and just to preface all this, <laughs> Too, um, when I did my first solo album, and actually Mike and Dave LaRue uh, toured with me on G3 early on yep. when I first did that. But when it came time to record the music for Suspended Animation, I purposely didn't use Mike. I wanted to use a drummer that was not in Dream Theater to do, because I wanted to keep my solo album just separate. Just me, you know, trio, no guests, no members of Dream Theater, <laughs> no vocals, no, not even use the same artists for the cover, you know? And so fast forward to the Terminal Velocity, it did the same thing. You know, now Mike Portnoy isn't the drummer in Dream Theater, mm. so I can use him. If I used Mike Mangini, which Mike would have done a fantastic job as well, and I toured with G3 with Mike, so we actually played some of right. the songs before. Which so. I got a chance to see was excellent. Right. It would have, you know, then I would have been using the drummer in Dream Theater on my album. So it's like kind of my own OCD, like I can't do that. I have hey, I don't, eat, non- I don't eat breakfast after 11, man. I get it. There you go. So I had to use a non-Dream Theater drummer on this, which <laughs> I, I think is important because it helps me with my own identity to separate me out as a solo artist. Yeah. Um, and well, it so, provides its own brand for it. If you yeah, will. it does. And so the way I did this is for for two months, um, I constructed the record in, in this, the Dream Theater headquarters with my engineer, Jimmy T. And um, basically you know, wrote and recorded all of the, what would be the final guitars for the, for the entire album. And as I was writing and tracking the guitars, I, I'd play a little bass. Jimmy T is a bass player. He'd play bass. We'd program drums, mostly him, because he's a really good programmer. And by the time we were done, after two months, I mean, the songs were done. I, you know, technically, I could have released them that way. The drum programming sounded really good. And the bass playing was pretty good, but it wasn't what, you know, yeah. it wasn't the level that it could be at. So um, all that music was written. Dave LaRue um, lives in Florida. He tracked the bass down in his studio. He didn't come up, unfortunately. But um, Mike was able to come up to the studio and spend about a week, about six days. I sent him the music beforehand. You know, he ingested it, charted it came in and uh, he played to my tracks. Um, 
And of course, you know, he was like, well, do you want me to do exactly what you programmed on the drum machine? That's not really my thing. I'm like, no, don't, you know, feel like you're locked into that. It's just, that's, if anything, that kind of gives you an idea as to the feel yeah. I had in mind. And you know, if there's some technical part that's exact where we need to be locked, yeah, you need to do that. But I want you to, to do your thing. So, uh, you know, he was like, great, because that's how I feel most comfortable. And my only concern was, you know, Mike is a very off-the-cuff drummer, and he likes the ebb and flow of, of music when recording. I know that from experience from being in a band with him for 25 years. So now he's tracking to pre-recorded guitars and clicks that are, they can't be moved. So I'm like, how is this going to work out? And somehow he made it sound like we all played together. <laughs> and it I heard you. It sounds like a band playing together. And I'm like, how did you do that? It just sounds like, I, just the way he plays, it's, it has a very kind of like spontaneous, lively thing to it. And it just, the end result, even though he's playing to track guitars, and even though Dave wasn't with us, it sounds like we're a band playing together. And I love that. And I love that he brought that to the table. It's awesome. It's so it's so natural sounding. And, and I credit part of that because it's I think of, you know, from, from a drummer perspective, yeah. I think about like, I've been in a situation where somebody's programmed drums, but they've been writing music with me for 10 plus years or whatever. So they know kind of generally they can, they can take an educated guess true. where I'm going to go with it. Yes. So like, I would think that while you're, you've probably made the decision. Okay. I know, to, you know, maybe Portnoy or whatever, but you've been writing when you're programming drums, you have an idea of who you're playing with and you kind of know. So like, I, I would think that he would, look at that and be like, okay, well, here's a couple spots where I can do my Mike Portnoy thing. And, you know, like I, I like to consider myself a Mike Portnoy expert, but like when I hear in the beginning of that song where he switches mm -hmm. over to that, that side snare and it's yeah. like that, that tighter pop, like that to me, I'm like, that's a signature Mike Portnoy move right there. That, yeah. that I can tell. I'm certain John didn't say, no, at this point I want you to play your eight inch snare with the thing. Right. Like right. that's where he's being creative and also like all the little, the little, fills with the splashes and just some exactly. of his portnoyisms, if you will. Right. Um, exactly. And I only know these so well because I've stolen all of them over the years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like yeah, I, I he, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I've been in, in situations where I've had to, where I've had, you know, as the leader of a band, band members come and go. Sometimes yeah. I'm, sometimes I'm making a decision Hey, this is not working out and we're going to go in a different direction. Or sometimes it's that person coming to me and saying, listen, Justin, right. I got an opportunity to go do something else. And it, because a band relationship is so unique, you almost feel like you're breaking up with something like that's the closest, at yeah. least from my experience, it's like you've broke, broken up with a girl or something. Right. And it, there's like that weird period of time where it's like, I'm not talking to them. Mm -hmm. Like they go do their own thing. And then eventually Right. You might see him at the at a bar or at a show or something and you shake hands and you start talking again. The next then then you ease back into it and the next thing you know, maybe three, four, five years later, you're like, Hey man, you wanna I, I got I need base I need base on this track, can you help right. me out? And I would think that that's kind of similar to this, where you have from a fan perspective, fans were where they were when it happened. They got largely got over that. But it's almost like, hey, we can kind of put a toe back in the water here. Like let's revisit this is, do you, do you feel any sort of relatability to that? Yeah, that definitely. I mean, that, you know, it's, first of all, being in a band together with somebody for that long and starting the age that we did, 
I mean, there's major connection that happens. It doesn't just go away because you're not in the same band together. Yeah. Um, what you described is definitely accurate. The only difference is that there is more connection in our case because our families are right. very close friends and, you know, our, our wives are friends and the kids are friends and grew up together. So there was, there was always an ongoing connection um, just that we weren't bandmates anymore. And, you know, the, the business, we weren't business partners anymore. We didn't see each other all the time anymore. So there was that distance in the beginning a little bit, but then, like you said, it slowly kind of comes back and, um, never really went away because our families are tight, but it does slowly come back. Next thing you know, you're hanging out, you know, holidays, this and that. And then next thing you know, you know, I, I'm talking to Mike a lot and he's like, yeah, you know, Hey, you want to play drums on my album? And next thing you know, he's in the studio. <laughs> That's so, how it happens. So you're right. It, it does kind of happen that way. And you know, the other thing too, like you were talking about the familiarity with the, the drums and the guitar, I think part of that is probably just kind of knowing each other, you know, even though Mike's tracking the stuff that I wrote, he kind of, he knows my guitar playing, you know what I mean? So it's like the types of fills he goes for and things like that. The timings. Yeah. It's just like, it, it, it meshes, you yeah. know, there, there's, um, it, it doesn't take, there's no fighting that, you know, um, and, and the thing that I thought was cool, too, is that on the record, and I know you haven't heard it yet, but there are a lot of different requirements that the drummer needed to do on this. Uh, it's not just all rock or metal. You know, there's there's blues, there's shuffle, there's Latin. There's, shuffle? You know, yeah, there's, there's lots of different things did you, going Did on. you make Portnoy do the Purdy Shuffle? You know what? We had a Purdy Shuffle section. I, I don't know if he did nice. it. We, we programmed the Purdy Shuffle. Um, to all you young musicians listening, listening to this right now, <laughs> and you don't know what the Purdy Shuffle is, I'm giving you permission to go ahead and pause this podcast and open up a new window and type in Purdy Shuffle on YouTube <laughs> and prepare to be amazed at the, it looks like a simple groove, but it is not. It's freaking awesome. You know, it's funny. Jimmy T actually like analyzed it and programmed it. And I was like, that sounds really good. How'd you do that? Um, but anyway. That's hard to it, do. Yeah. You know, there's even like a... Uh, I don't know what you would, I don't know if it's like a, a bossa. I don't know the specific Latin groove, but, and there's double bass up. My point is he had to do, he had to bring a lot of different things to the table and he just did it all like, like, okay, go, you know, and he's playing and just all these different styles seamlessly. And, um, you know, just did a great job. Just made me smile. Uh, and so just having him on it, I think helped bring it to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I can only yeah. imagine. Well, and same, it same goes with Dave. Sorry to interrupt. No, the no. Same goes with Dave Larue, who's just oh, he's a, he's a monster, a phenomenal musician, and can do all that stuff, you know, in his sleep. So it's like, if if I'm if we're doing jazz blues or you know, rock or metal or shuffle or whatever it is or swing or bossa, like Dave can do all that. You know, if you're not fighting. Mm -hmm. it, it, like anybody let's say like they don't understand what the section requires yeah it's like yeah i know how to do this go <laughs> well he he yeah. to me seems like the ideal bassist for a trio yeah you know when i saw when i saw um you got g3 a couple years ago in philly it was you know you and mangini and, and larue and i just remember being blown away by 
Because, you know, when you when you have music that's got two guitars in the studio and obviously yeah. your rhythm guitars in the background, but then right. when you get there live and you hear the solo, it's like Rage Against the Machine is like a perfect example of that. You, uh-huh. It's great. And then you're like, Tom Morello starts doing his thing and you're like, well, I'm missing something. I quite I don't know quite what it is. But then you're like, yeah. oh, that's the rhythm. But right. that doesn't happen with him because he fills up so much yeah. of that space behind you. And it's like he it does. perfectly complements you and he's locked in with the drums. It's uh, I, I was like I said. I was totally blown away when I saw him live. And then when I was listening to, I was listening to it with my dad over the weekend, uh, the, the single, and he's like, man, who, who's this on bass? I was like, Dave LaRue. Got to check him out, <laughs> yeah. man. He's the, he's the real yeah. deal. Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. He's um, great. So yeah, obviously, you know, looking forward to term, you know, to terminal velocity comes out August 28th. Um, I wanted to hit on a few, few other things, uh, beyond that. And, yep. you know, one of the things you just give me a quick, you can give me a quick yes or no. You don't have to beat the dead horse here. Um, did I see correctly that the eight string is finally coming? <laughs> yeah. So that's something we are definitely working on. Um, and I'll have more news about it. I know I've said this before that we're working on it. Yeah. Um, you know, things have changed in the world for everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it's like scheduling of, of what we planned on doing has changed. So, but it is something, you know, I, I had in my mind kind of was, was thinking for distance over time writing period that I'd have something and kind of bring that into the studio. But it looks like that it's going to be for the next record. And speaking of that, you know, we're because of the situation with touring and not really knowing when that's going to start up. And it might be a year from now. It might be more. It might be less. Um, you know, we're not we meaning dream theater, we're not going to sit around just doing nothing. So even though we weren't scheduled to, you know, um, get, go into the the studio yet, we're going to do that sooner than later. Um, so by the time we do that, I should have an eight and, you know, my, my plan, I've said this before, but when we did, uh, awake and I got a seven string for the first time and I put it on and started playing and we wrote the mirror, and it was just Love fresh. That. Yep. That's what I, I want for the, an eight. I just want to get one, open it up, you know. New experience. Music Man, even if it's a prototype that Music Man does and just with the guys start writing and see what happens. Nice. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, I would think with my experience with Ernie Ball and, uh, yeah. and those wonderful guys there that they, I mean, everybody realizes that there's a humongous demand now for eight-string guitars. And yeah. specifically, you know, like I said before, the, the JP models have become kind of like the standard tool for any like you see somebody playing that guitar and you're like man that guy must be good <laughs> you know he's got the he's got the rig and right. i would think that the you wouldn't want to put out not that you would ever put a bad thing out intentionally but you would want to make this thing specifically so perfect to what everybody needs for an eight string so that when this thing comes out not only is it perfect for you but everybody you're gonna like i predict it will be like the overnight it'll be the number one eight string because now it's what everybody wants. Like it's, they, they right. just want an eight string Petrucci, you know? So right. I, I can't wait to yeah. see how many people are going to be whomping away with it. You know, I mean, yeah. you're going to have people doing Meshuggah covers with a John Petrucci. I can't right. wait. Well, there's nice. a couple of things, <laughs> you know, first of all, Ernie Ball Music Man never does anything, you know, that doesn't have the utmost of quality. And like right. they every instrument that they create is just, you know, a work of art and just an unbelievable performance machine. I mean, they are, 
the best at what they do. You know, those are the greatest guitars on the planet. So you know this version of an eight string is going to be phenomenal. But what I might be, what I might have on my side is kind of a little bit of what we talked about earlier is that I'm not an eight string player. I never mm-hmm. really, I never played one really. So I think you'll do I'm okay gonna, with it though. Well, well I, I don't know. We'll see. But what <laughs> I'm going to, what I'm going to desire from the instrument is going to come from my perspective. Like, Oh, shouldn't this be here? Yeah. You know? And so if, you know, it might possibly turn into something that lays out a little bit different and a little bit more practical for people that they say, well, you know, why didn't I think of that? Um, I don't know, you know, because it's not built yet, <laughs> but we'll see. But I have a feeling, as opposed to me searching for the perfect A string, because I tried all these different ones, this is just going to come from my, like, I never played this before. This feels cool. This doesn't feel cool. Does this have to be here? Can we do this? Yeah. And And we'll take it from there. So... Um, what will ultimately end up being the most comfortable thing for me might be something um, that other people relate to in in that same way as we were talking about gear and music and stuff earlier. So that's going to be my approach. Well, I'm, I'm like I said, I think you'll do just fine with it, and I'm sure it'll be a, a massive <laughs> success once it's out. So two last things here because I know uh, we got to get you going. You've, you've, you've got uh, CEO of Tone Mission uh, <laughs> business to, to attend to. That's so, right. Um, that's right. So, so one of the things we talked about this, you know, offline, you and I over the past, um, you know, I'm very fascinated by the many different eras of John Petrucci. Right now you've got – I saw your picture in Spotify. you got that sick – it's almost like an undertaker type jacket look like you're kind of like, I like that. I'm a big fan of that. Um, but specifically there was like a time period where overnight you just, you got swolled up from the floor up (laughs) and, uh, you know, like why did you decide to like, you know what? Cause like I saw you with yes and I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about yes today. Cause they're one of my favorite bands of all time. But the first time I saw dream theater, I was like in the second row of the Allentown state fairgrounds. It was in August of, 2006 2007 and you guys were on that tour with yes it was like the yes 35th anniversary Mm -hmm. and it was really weird because like first of all is at the fairgrounds so you got that and there was some weird dynamics and i'm sitting there in this in in the crowd and i'm like right in front of you and i'm watching you and you were like a slender man and then next thing i know a slenderman if you will (laughs) (laughs) next thing i know you're like you're like uh you're yoked so like what right what happened? How do you keep yourself in shape? Because we do talk about that a lot on the Everyman podcast is sure. ways to keep your, your mental health strong, your physical health strong. What's what's your deal there, bro? Right. Well, I should be asking you guys that. <laughs> Daryl, yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, as far as the uh, the photo look and the jacket and that whole thing, um, I, I have to credit Larry, Larry DiMarzio, uh, my friend and brilliant photographer, and of course, pickup guru he's also a photographer i didn't know that he's he's a huge photographer he's uh, all, all the photos that you usually see of vi and satch and everything really if, if you actually do yourself a favor go to larry's web go to the demarzio website um so he does all the photo shoots for all the artists you know that's um, really cool yeah so you'll see phil collin and joe and steve and angel and the polyphia guys and he, he does all those photo shoots so his uh and he has a stylist um, who, uh, Anthony, he was brilliant and he brings all these amazing clothes and 
Yeah, I don't own that stuff. Oh, wait, that's not, not you? I'm not that cool. Oh, my God. I was I'm hoping, not, and, yeah, you John, are. I'll be honest with you. I <laughs> I really I really pictured you having this walk-in closet, like a right? Batman type thing where you go Wouldn't in and there's like, there's like – John Petrucci, yeah. 2002, and like, you know, like, like I, I do have. Keep picturing that. I do have that. <laughs> it's like it opens up and like damage control starts playing. Exactly, right, exactly. exactly. Yep. Right. Um, but to answer your your bigger question, I guess what I, I want to get my own timeline straight. Um, I even though I was like skinny back in the day and stuff, I was always like in. I always wanted to be you know, more fit. And I always worked out and did stuff. And I kind of went through different phases. Um, but there was a point where at, never do this as an adult, but I decided to go skiing. Um, <laughs> because, you know, we had little kids and I, I didn't go skiing as, as a kid. It's not what my family did, but now, you know, we're raising kids and I'm like, we, all right, you know, we want them to, to experience all different things in life. We'll take them skiing. And I, took a couple of lessons and I'm like, you know, pizza slicing down the French fry pizza. Yeah. 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 <laughs> down, down the mountain in uh, Vermont. And I like took a fall and dislocated my shoulder Oof. and it was like the worst. It is. It's You've done that before. Dude, I've, I've done that ribs, all my fingers on my left hand. Ooh. It's, it's oh, ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Fingers on your left hand. Yeah, Ooh. I don't want to hear about that. Yeah, that's, that, that, no, that's no, giving John no. anxiety. He's starting to sweat. <laughs> no, no, we don't want that. We don't want that at all. So, so you know, you know what it's all about. Oh and, boy, uh, yeah. Trying to get in place, slipping. Ah, it's ah. like hanging the ah. No, no. Well, that, when, when I when I like I was face down on the mountain, and they bring the medics up, and they're like these like kids, you know, <laughs> and they're like uh, ski they're patrol. like feeling in my in my jacket, and then oh yeah. One of them's like, I, I feel a deformity. And all I'm thinking is like, <laughs> I just broke my arm. I'm never going to play guitar again. A deformity. Yeah, deformity. I feel a deformity. Yeah, like, hey, way to make me feel better. <laughs> and so they get me off the mountain. My arm's still out. And my wife had to drive me to the hospital. It was like an hour away. And I'm like crying in the seat, you know. <laughs> and they, they pop it back in. You know what it's like. Oh. And they tell you, you might want to leave for this. They tell me. Oh, wife, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> immediately feels like 90% better. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was doing physical therapy after that. And, and, you know, I thought I'd never be able to lift anything. It was my right arm uh, yeah. over my head again. I don't know. And I just, just got more and more into weight training. And, and then I just like started looking into like supplements and I'm taking all these different supplements and yeah. stuff. And I was going to say, you must've been it, putting down some serious protein to put all that muscle. Yeah. On. Like protein and different things and like having stomach issues because <laughs> <'cause> you're <laughs> eating too much protein, try, <laughs> trying all this stuff. And, um, oh, I've been and, there. And, uh, anyway, I just, yeah, I just kind of got bigger. And then, um, I, I, you know, made from that point on just made fitness always a part of, of my life and my routine. I don't feel right. If I, if I'm not yeah. working out and yeah. just, you know, it just makes me feel good. makes me feel strong. Um, you know, that you're not going to like throw out your back when you're lifting your suitcase yep. up in the, you know, overhead compartment, whatever, you know? Um, and, and so it just became something like guitar playing. I kind of related to because it, I found that like it was form based, the better you form, the, better your results yep mm -hmm. it was consistency based you know the, 
the more consistent you work out, just yeah. like the more consistent you practice, the better your results. And so just related to it, and I haven't looked back. And, you know, I, I've gone through stages and phases. I was bigger, you know, I trimmed down, I dieted, mm -hmm. whatever. But whatever I do, except for this morning, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, even during the pandemic, thankfully, um, I know not a lot of people have this, but yeah. we have a home gym. And so I've been able to keep up the workouts. And, you know, it's it's weird. Like when I don't, the other thing, people don't talk about this a lot, and maybe you guys relate to this too, is that it's a super anxiety um, oh, yeah. uh, dissipator. Mm -hmm. And oh, I yeah. find, you know, with all the stuff going on in, in life and how busy I am, if, if, I'm, if I go through periods where I'm not able to get workouts in or whatever, yeah. I, don't you feel more like just kind of tense and, oh, yeah. and anxious? Dude, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's like the ultimate focus medium. Like, because you, once you go in, you can just kind of like throw yourself to it. I was telling my wife about this last night and yeah. I, I, I missed working out this morning and, and even yesterday. And I'm, I'm usually go four or five times a week. Yeah. And my, my wife was like, you know what, babe, like, are you feeling okay? I was like, I gotta get in the gym. I gotta right. get this, you know, it's just yeah. like one of those things, you know? Totally. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's like that for me with guitar playing too. You know, it's like, it, it, it sounds funny, but there's two things I have to accomplish if, I have to work out and practice in a day mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. not always able to do that. I'm not yeah. full, you know, I'm not full of myself, yeah. but it's like what, if I do that for some reason, I had a complete day and I can do anything else. If I don't do it, I'm like, damn, never uh, it's that extra <laughs> energy. It's like, you've got <laughs> yeah. to get it out. And when you, when you get yeah. used to getting that energy out and then you stop, yeah. you realize like, wait, I should be yeah. like, I have capacity. It's like my battery is at a hundred but right, I'm only right. using 40 of it. And it's like, you've yeah. got to get that extra out. And I think, I think people don't realize how much can be, you know, the benefits of, of doing those simple things. Like even if you just bust out a couple push-ups or whatever, you know, yeah, it helps, exactly. helps get you, get you in that zone. That's uh and I've learned, I've learned that too, that the excuse of, I don't have time. Right. No, you know, it's bro. not an excuse. No I, I've done those 20 minute work. It's like, yeah. you, you can get a lot done, you know, yeah. and you feel better. And then the other thing, um, to point out too, um, as a musician, um, you know, maybe it's different as a football player. Like you, you might not have the same concerns about your hands mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Maybe you do. I don't want to make <laughs> an assumption, but like I've done things where I've injured myself and I'm like, okay, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm a guitar player first, so I got to make sure I can't like, <laughs> I remember doing like close grip bench presses. Mm hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, this sounds supposed to be good for your triceps. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. The wrist. it's like hurt my wrist. I'm like, I'm never doing that. But so, you know what? Yeah. You know what, JP? Like, it's like even with like with PT, even after an injury or just yeah. now that like you kind of have you have to have that men that mentality. Like, OK, I have to get to the gym. You know, like for me, I have to run and I have to lift. And yeah. guys are like, dude, like you're freaking like you're going to be 40 soon. Like, why are you still doing that? You're not playing the game. I'm like, dude, like if I don't do it, right. nothing, nothing will go right. Like, and, and, and that's the thing, even like, like with PT, like specifically, you say like the close grip grip, close yeah. uh, bench, uh, close grip bench. Yeah. It's the small movements, man, that when you go to like physical therapy, you realize that are so much more important yep. than the big ones. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Like if somebody Absolutely. told me like that, like, all right, if I did these wrinkle, these wrist strengthening exercises, or if I put this four pound ball in between my legs and squeezed <laughs> when I did leg extensions, I would have never torn my ACL. I'd have been like, you mother. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Things that would have been useful. <laughs> to, I'm like, why am I going to California to pay this dude thousands of dollars and he can't tell me no, how to man. stay, stay on the field longer? Like, right, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it's like, I don't know if you're the same way too, you guys, but like, I'm super, maybe to like a fall, I'm so conscious of like my body and things that like aren't yeah. right, especially when I'm playing guitar and I have that thing on and I'm, I'm like, oh shit, why does my pinky hurt? Yeah. Like, what did oh, I do? Dude. This is like yeah. stupid. Oh, this is going to be a problem yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah this is going to be a problem. I, I shouldn't have <laughs> lift that, you know, I, I, whatever. Like, I shouldn't have... Uh, turn that can opener that like, oh, dude, yeah. tweaked my wrist like it's <laughs> i get all paranoid i remember we had a right before we went and did our record with jamie king um we we had like a little band bowling trip like all right let's yeah. all rally up you know oh, go bowling, off for no. a couple weeks so no. i'm standing there okay i'm holding this 15 bowl. pound ball like yes. like an asshole up in the air like this and i've got my my hands in it and i'm like yeah. you know and then something just i lost my balance or something and yeah. then all of a sudden like it went forward, but right. I was able to catch it, and I was looking at my bass player at the time, yeah. and like in in like 1.2 seconds, it was all almost over. You know, like it was my right yeah. hand, uh, like oh, two yeah. days before, and then I dropped it, and he was like, and I'm like, and then I just put it down. And that was it, and I was like, totally not doing yep. this ever again. Can't you, do it because you don't. You just oh, I want to have fun, and then you're like, oh wait, I need my hands well, we, we've had we've had some uh, band and crew bowling uh outings and mm. I, I won't do it you know because no. well, you're competitive and, and you start yeah then I, next thing you know you oh, throw man, your elbow and Mangini, he, he'll do it and he's super competitive and i bet he's super good yeah. at it too oh, he's great I, at it you know johnny Actually, Blue. <laughs> there, there was the, fu- the funniest bowling moment and and i'll do like you know stupidly and of course everybody gets it on video under the legs to roll yeah. it you know safety. so I, I don't hurt myself <laughs> But so John Myung will never like participate in stuff like that, but he'll go and he'll hang out in the back and he'll eat and everything. And I don't know how, how they prompted him to like bowl, you know, and he goes up there and, you know, if you, if you don't know John, like he's always, no matter where he is and what the temperature is and what we're doing, wearing all black, black leather jacket, black boots, like it could be, you know, 90 degrees out. Oh yeah, and so he's in the bowling alley dressed like that. They call him up, and he's like, "All right, I'll do it." And he just throws the bowling ball, and it was like slow motion walking away from an explosion. He doesn't even look; he just turns around and <laughs> walks back, and it's a strike. I believe Ugh. it. And the whole place is like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> he just like, drops the mic. John Myung would be able to do that, you know. Yeah. And it probably no. did. Did he respond at all to the it, to no, the praise? He didn't yeah, respond. no, he didn't like. He didn't high five anybody. He didn't, yeah. like, you know. He maybe had a little smirk, and then that was about it. He went back yeah. to the back. I'll I t- I tell you on 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 John. I yeah. I had always known like, oh, there's not. He doesn't really talk a whole lot or whatever. Yeah. And then the first time I met you guys when I was sick back in 2012 at the Merriam Theater, he came up to me and somebody had I guess had mentioned it to him before, but he stood there and he started. He was asking me questions about it. Yeah. And we talked for like 45 minutes, and he was yeah. so knowledgeable on. Like hearts, it was the craziest shit ever, and yes. I'm like, and he yeah, knew dude. so much, and then he's asking, and it caught me off guard because I'm not used to explaining my situation to people that 
are layman's to it. And it was right. really clear that he was That's not amazing. a layman. And then yeah. it's like all of a sudden I'm having this deep talk about, you know, transapical myectomies and, you know, blood flow in and out of the ventricles. And he's like, mm-hmm, yes, yes. Now, have you think, have you thought about this? And I'm like, I could totally picture that. Right. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I haven't thought about that. Thank you, John. You know, like right. it was, it was the craziest thing. And then like, anytime I've seen him afterwards, it's always been like, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, Hey, yeah. nice to see you. You know, well, it's a, thing. a special guy thing with John. Yeah. I mean, I knew him, you know, we grew up together and met him when I was 12 years old. So we've known each other forever, but he'll, he reads a lot. He's very knowledgeable. He's into a lot of different things and he will talk your ear off if, if he has you one-on-one. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, you know, people say, Oh, he's the quiet one. He doesn't talk. And that might be true, you know, in public situations or in general, but forget about it. Yeah. You know, I, like you said, like you experience. I mean, you know, we'll have hour long conversations and it'll be, you know, even to this day, what was it? My daughter's sweet 16 and my cousin's like, I talked to John Mayung for like an hour and a half. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, I believe it. You yeah, know? we were talking about it. We were talking about rocket <laughs> propulsion. Yeah, it's Mangini's right, like right. that too. Like he he, yeah. he texted me one day on like a Sunday and was like, hey, do you have a minute? And then next thing I know, we were on like FaceTime for three and a half hours and we're talking about yeah. missile guidance systems and, yeah. well, and the funny thing, geology and stuff. Yeah, well, on the tour bus, it makes me sad to say tour bus because we... Hmm. Who knows when that's going to happen again. Um, but on the tour bus in general, the two people up all night talking are John and Mike. I'd and love to be a fly on the wall for that. Oh, oh yeah. Man, and, for real. You know, and it's like, you know, touring is, it's, it's hard. You're tired. You travel a lot. You know, the bus is rolling. And, you know, a bunch of us will cut to, to bed early. And you'll come down to, like, you know, use a bathroom or something. And they're still, and it's like, what is it? Five in the morning, and there's a bottle of wine, and they're just like yapping away. I'm like, how do you guys do that? And, he, and Mike's only on the Saturn V rocket. He hasn't even yeah, gotten right, to. Right. Yeah, he hasn't even gotten to the space shuttle yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's amazing. And uh, yeah. you know, one of those things about Mangini. So I I had seen you guys uh, with, when Daryl and you guys met the first time. That was in April on Distance Over Time tour. Yeah. And then the next time I saw Mike backstage, we I interviewed him. At, in New Brunswick and he said yeah. to me like very seriously he looked me in the eyes he's like Justin this is the best I've ever played I am playing right now at <laughs> at a level that yeah is... I can totally picture that <laughs> and I'm standing there like you know like okay yeah like I, right. and on one hand it's like who am I to argue of course like yeah right. he's probably you know but then yeah. I'm, I'm also thinking like how could he get any better you know right how know. and then how would you quantify yeah. it and right. then He's like, no, no, trust me. I'm going to throw a few things in there for you tonight. Make sure you pay attention. I want to talk to you about it afterwards. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, you know, and yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then sure enough, I'm like, holy shit, he is better than six months ago when I saw him. Yeah. Like how? And, and, and like he's such a. It's just I don't even have a word for it, and I don't know how you how. It must be a treat for you to to be like a third, like just to kind of see that kind of stuff happen, oh, and then and be a part yeah. of it. Like he's so incredible, and like to be able to say with confidence, like yeah, I've I've improved on these things, and here's here's how, and here's why, and you're like, wow, yes, you did. Yeah, it's uh, it, like anybody, whether you're starting out or you're or you're yourself. I'm sure you are probably like, man, I better I better keep on the gas here, like because he just never is never going to be done. Absolutely. I mean, you know, first of all, he, he's like in a class by himself. I mean, he's a ridiculous drummer. Like his the level 
of playing that he's at is just like insane. Like nobody does that, you know, but at the same time, he's like, it could be better. And he's always working on it. And so mm -hmm. when we're on the road, I mean, backstage before shows, after shows, it's, the conversations are always about, and, and we, we relate on this level a lot about technique and little tiny things that you can change and what level of speed you might have like percentage you might have like gone up just because you did this certain thing your routine routine during the day that has nothing to do with playing you know how you slept what you ate uh we talk about pre-show practice routines i did this this day did that that day and it, having that communication on stage every night and sort of like unspoken but you can see in each other's eyes like oh that was so much better tonight or i, I pulled that off you know or, or whatever um he constantly is in the headspace that he wants to play better and, you know, um, improve on his abilities on a daily basis. And that, that shows every night on stage. And I've said this before, you know, just being um, a guitar player playing in a band with him and, and, you know, when you're standing next to somebody playing at that level, like, it's pretty phenomenal i can yeah, only imagine like it, yeah it's one yeah. thing to listen to that type of thing but when you're standing next to somebody playing at that level as a guitar player you're just like what the hell you know I, it's like insane and recording is the same way like it's just like we'll write this music and you know i've been producing the band now for the last 10 records or so 10 records 10 years or, or longer and so when it's time to track the drums i'm like all right you know let's go let's go for a take and it's just like every take he does is just perp is a keeper, you know. Yeah, somehow better than the previous. Yeah. It's, it's like weird, you know. I'm like, how do you do that? I can't do that. I'd well, be like, no, wait, go again. Wait, no. <laughs> like, well, one of the things I was so like conf <laughs> confused by yeah. was people were saying for for a while, you know, like mm -hmm. he doesn't hit hard. Like he's yeah. he's a soft drummer, mm -hmm. and then. I finally had a chance. I was uh, to watch him sound check. We were Daryl yeah. and I were standing behind his drums, and I was like a, a foot away from him playing. Right, and I was blown away at oh, yeah. at how oh yeah how friggin' hard the man hits. And right. it's like, well, I think what you're noticing here is it's he's just so fluid and so accurate. Yeah, that you can't even perceive the, the the strength of it because it's so fast and like yeah for anybody to say like oh he's he plays soft like you're out of your goddamn mind because Absolutely. like i can't yeah. imagine and he was telling me how like they have to like pull the microphones back and stuff because he hits so hard and so consistently yeah. that like yeah. he like peeks out microphones and right like right. there's no like it's like you're it's like dealing with the incredible hulk to a certain extent where it's like yeah. we just got to keep you calm like if, <laughs> you know like, yeah. and, like and i think people make that assumption too because the way that he played he figured out how to have the like maximum uh impact and velocity with the minimum uh motion yeah so he's not a drummer that's like he's you efficient know, doing yeah. that right so it's like oh he must not be hitting hard but it's like it you know there's just like so much force behind that motion because he figured out the most efficient way to do it. Right. Um, yeah. And he's so funny. He's like, yeah, oh, I'm putting my feet through the kick drum every night. You know, like he's just like <laughs> really into it. You yeah. Know? It's like that's a big thing that he's into. But it, it's phenomenal. Like I said, you know, it's like 
I, I get the privilege of playing with Mike every night and, you know, recording and now, you know, uh, being in a band together for 10 years. And I mean, how many dream theater records have we done together? Live records. Um, it, it's been amazing. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, you are blessed, my friend. You are yes. blessed. And um, I think that's a great place to leave it here. And, and just to recap, so Terminal Velocity is available everywhere. Digital music uh, can be acquired starting August 28th. The vinyl um, is coming out in October. So you can stay tuned to uh, John Petrucci's fresh new YouTube page. Let's and get CD. you. Yeah, let, and the CD. Yes. Let's get some subscribers on that YouTube channel. Um <laughs> You know, we'll get it. We'll, we'll, My wimpy YouTube. Yeah, we'll juice channel. that up. It'll be over two million by the time the <laughs> album comes out. I'm sure. Um, but uh, John, seriously, man, you know this has been an awesome conversation. Um, thank you for coming back on the Everyman Podcast. I feel like we uh, we went through a ton of stuff here. We got into some stuff that maybe people may not have heard before. Um, and uh, you know, just just appreciate it. Be well. Stay healthy. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on everything. And uh, hopefully, when all this stuff's over, I can't wait to. We Daryl and I can't wait to see you guys again. Oh Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, I this was great, you guys. Thank you so much. And again, congratulations with all your success. Thank I you. love seeing that. Thank you. And uh thank you, thank you. I, I, I appreciate the support, um, as always, and the love. And I, I'm gonna end like this. That's what we want. Yeah, get That's that it. beard on there. There we go, okay? Get That's that it. That's it. There. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs>